This is a Hot Pie Original. Stress. You're under pressure. Deadlines are looming. Everyone is making demands on your time. Your kids want you. Your husband wants you. Your anxiety level is raising. Your stomach is in knots. How do we handle this stuff? Well, we're going to talk today with several people who have been able to bless their stress and they've been able to get out of it. Now, the important thing to realize about stress is that it's not the stress alone that causes you problems. Most really excited, happy people are living highly stimulated lives. So they would say that they are stressed because they have a lot of things to do, a lot of demands in their time, but they're handling it in a way that is helping them and it's giving them something. So it's the definition of how you determine your stress. It's what you say to yourself about your stress. If you say, this is horrible, this is awful, I'm just another day, I'm ha- you know having to pull myself through, then you're going to feel helpless and hopeless and anxious. And that's not good for you. On the other hand, if you say, this is exciting, this is fun, I can't wait to get on with some of this stuff and the crazy little stuff I'm going to laugh at, you're going to handle your stress differently. Now, I love people to have quizzes because I think quizzes are very helpful for you to assess where you are. The quiz is, how stressed are you? All right, I want you to Rate yourself on how you typically react in each of the situations listed below. There are no right or wrong answers. Okay, number four equals always. Number three equals frequently. Number two equals sometimes. And number one equals never. Enter a number in the box for each question. When you complete the questionnaire, add up your total number of points and type it in the box. An answer key is provided. I'll tell you that in a second. Number one, do you try to do as much as possible in the least amount of time? Always, frequently, sometimes, or never. Always is four. Do you become impatient with delays or interruptions? Do you always have to win at games to enjoy yourself? Number three. Number four, do you find yourself speeding up the car to beat the red light? Number five, are you unlikely to ask for or indicate you need help with a problem? Number six, do you constantly seek the respect and admiration of others? Number seven, are you overly critical of the way others do their work? Number eight, do you have the habit of looking at your watch or clock often? Number nine, do you constantly strive to better your position and achievements? Number 10, do you spread yourself too thin in terms of your time? Number 11, do you have the habit of doing more than one thing at a time? Number 12, do you frequently get angry or irritable? Number 13, do you have little time for hobbies or time by yourself? Number 14, do you have a tendency to talk quickly or hasten conversations? Number 15, do you consider yourself hardworking? Number 16, do your friends or relatives consider you hardworking? Number 17, do you have a tendency to get involved in multiple projects? Number 18, do you have a lot of deadlines in your work? And number 19, do you feel vaguely guilty if you relax and do nothing during leisure? Number 20, do you take on too many responsibilities? All right. Now remember, four was always, three was frequently, two was sometimes, and one was never. The answer key here 
is if your score is between 20 and 30, your chances are that you are non-productive or that your life lacks stimulation. If your score was between 31 and 50, designates a good balance in your ability to handle and control stress. If you tallied up your score ranging between 51 and 60, your stress level is marginal and you are bordering on being excessively tense. If your total number of points exceeds 60, you may be a candidate for heart disease and you are very stressed. So you need to be taking a lot of steps towards reducing the stress in your life. No matter what your score, we're all more stressed probably than we want to be. So listen to this, enjoy it, and learn to bless your stress. We're in our leading expert section, and I am talking with wonderful Mimi Donaldson. Hello, Mimi. Hi, Pat. How are you doing today? Very good. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Listen, I was so lucky to be in your audience, and I listened to your speech, Bless Your Stress. I love that title. (laughs) Tell me, what does that title mean? Well, the subtitle of the book, where the speech is from, is called It Means You're Still Alive. In other words, we believe the only stress-free zone is a cemetery (laughs) for the residents, not for the visitors. And when you bless your stress, you embrace the whole of your life, which really establishes the foundation for your happiness. And as long as you've got the little stresses to bless, you can save your energy for the big stresses that are really the thing you need to call stress. Interesting. Interesting. So do you think we spend too much time, you know, worrying over the little ones and then exhaust ourselves for the big one? Well, sure. And partly it's a protective device, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't want to think about the big ones. Mm -hmm. They're really scary. Mm -hmm. Um, Moving and illness and family stuff. Upsets. Conflicts and all that. Those are big things mortgages and weddings and things that you really should have energy to stress about. But instead, we get into traffic jams and supermarket lines and elevators that won't go fast (laughs) enough. And so it's very funny. And as long as we can laugh at it, we can kind of bless it. You know, people in the hospital, I always say, would love to be in a traffic jail. Exactly. It's just a matter of perspective. That's right. That's right. But it's hard to have that perspective when you're in it, isn't it? Very hard. Very hard. And you're right in the middle of it. And that's who we wrote the book for. Oh, good. Okay. So now I'm right in the middle of it. You're right in the middle of it. We're all right in the middle of it. Who is this book written for? You just said that. Tell me more. This book is for the hurried, the worried, the mushed, the rushed, the press, the stress, you know, we we go into that in the introduction to make you laugh, but it's for people who can't stop and meditate. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of stress books that we read in order to write this one had to do with uh, meditating and eating right and juicing. And I, you know, that's great. But what about when you're juggling a family and a career and three phones and the assistant calls in sick and exactly you, then what you can't even stop to meditate and you then really you f- and then you feel stressed because you can't meditate that's you know? right yeah. and it's one more thing to feel guilty about right exactly not doing. yes now why did you write this book well leslie charles my co-author and i had both taught stress for about oh i hate to say it let's just say over 20 years okay in Fortune 500 companies, we're both 
what you call trainers. I was in human resources for a while. And I've been teaching stress management to everybody from the secretaries and the administrative professionals up to the presidents of the company and his VPs or her VPs now. It's wonderful. Um, And Leslie had been doing the same thing. And we wanted to put it in a book so that our household executives people who didn't work but who took care of a household mm-hmm. could also read it. And they mm-hmm. wouldn't have to, because we don't train people unless they're in the workplace. Right, right, right. So we wanted to get out to more people. A great way to get your message out and really accomplish your mission is to write a book. Right. You can do it. You can get it out to more people. But it's stuff that we've had that is tried and true from our courses over the past 25 or so years. Good, good. And when I heard it, you had a fabulous um, part of it on formal or casual. Now, you have to say that. You have to tell that one. Yeah, it's just the most memorable part of the speech. And maybe the book, although the book is a book, so there will be many memorable parts. But when you're speaking, the stuff that's funny is often the longest remembered. And the reason I came up with this is because people really get along great with people who are just like them. The problem comes when somebody's different from you. So I've coined it a little differently um, than I've heard anybody coin it. Uh, And that's what appeals. Some of you, I always say, have a formal relationship with time. A lot of the conflicts and stress in our life come from the fact that you formal people, and I am one of them, are always 20 minutes early to everything. If we're five minutes early, we're late, and we have the tension. And the reason we're early is because we can't do it any other way, and we're always waiting for people. And I say, if you, you know, if you are constantly waiting for people, raise your hand, and people raise your hand, that's because you're formal, and you're always early, but we have things to do, and we're... Now, nothing about that is bad or inherently stressful, except that we are usually waiting for the most important people in our lives who just happen to be casual with time. (laughs) Now, they're not wrong or bad. I love how you say that. Casual. Casual. They're very casual. Mm -hmm. And they slide into the seat just as the meeting's about to begin. You've been there for 20 minutes. No harm done. They haven't missed anything. Except that the formal people sometimes turn to the casual people and go, (sighs) which is that auditory (laughs) eye rolling, that sigh, the tisk and the sigh of derision and, and oh, disapproval. Oh, oh. And the casual people get defensive, which is what people do when you do that to them. Exactly. And they go back and say, what is your problem? And the formal people sometimes misinterpret their casualness. They say, you don't respect my time. time. And the casual person says, you need to Chill. Chill. And everybody <laughs> always answers me back, which makes me know that, that people go through this. Oh, yeah. And this, oh, yeah. you know, they eat too much afterwards. They drink too much. They may even smoke. I mean, it, this can make you a little crazy. But it's sim- simply a time difference, a time style difference. Mm-hmm. And if you laugh at it together, it won't get you. And it's also a non judgmental way of talking about it. Right, right. Formal and casual are really very nice words. Yes, they are. And and, and mo- both people are sort of proud, or at least I hope they are, 
of their own style, you know, and they, they can't really change. People ask me, can they change? Mm-hmm. But the funny part is that you usually end up being very close to the person with the opposite style. Yeah, and I, now, why is that, Mimi? What do you think that's about? Well, you know, when you meet somebody and you're very formal, it means you're always early to things and you're pretty buttoned up uh, as far as organizing, organizing things. And, uh, and you meet someone and you say, oh, they're so laid back. I love that. That's another way of saying, you know, they're different from me. Right, right. And we are often attracted to people who are very different. Uh, you know, lots of people say, oh, they complete us, and they, the other side of us is them, and it's all wonderful. But the very things that sometimes draw you to the person after a few years make you crazy. Mm, of course. Which is just funny. Yeah, no, it, it is funny. And so you're going on a romantic vacation, and you're, you know, with the person, and they're casual and you're formal and you, they accuse you of filling the car with bad vibes because you want to leave way earlier and they don't want to wait around at the airport. But you're so used to waiting because you're formal <laughs> that you love getting to places early. You have things to do. You have it all set up. <laughs> and so you're filling the car with bad vibes because I always say the formal people are so righteous and I kind of knock them down a peg. Because I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. I say the reason you're so righteous is not so great. They have more fun than we do, mm-hmm. the casual people. Mm-hmm. Because the formal people have impending disaster scenarios in our heads. <laughs> we think things like, what if the car breaks down? What if the freeway is gone? What if? And we have all these what ifs. Mm-hmm. So we have to leave really, really early so that if all those things happened, we could still be on time. We could still handle it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Whereas the casual people would like to get to the airport and just walk on the plane as it's boarding, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. would drive formal people insane. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's really good for belly laugh, oh, and, but also very profound in not making the other person wrong. Right. It's yeah. just a different style. And the same kind of thing I applied to things. Because I noticed people in companies, it first came in the, in the company, and then I took it out to the home place, which is often uh, a source of more stress than your job. People sometimes go to work to relax. I sometimes joke and people laugh. Yeah, well, a lot of people who are listening to this, or, uh, or all of them, are working from home. Oh, just like me. Yeah, just like me. And so, you know, we have the best and worst of both, yeah. right? Oh, we do. Yeah, so that's, yeah. And so when you work at home, oh, it's especially upsetting because you have a room or a space designated for your office. And once you go in there, you're in there. And people have two different styles of organizing their office, as with the time difference. Okay. Some people are formal with their things, and some people are casual mm. with their things. Now, I happen to be a double formal. Mm. I'm formal with things. So mm. I have a key place, a glasses place, a parking lot ticket stub place. Even my piles in my office are, I say, organized because there's the immediate to do files, and there's the maybe I'll get to it later. Then there's probably two files that I just kind of throw out every six months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I keep them, and then six months later, it's not important. 
But I, I consider myself formal with things because I can always locate things at a moment's notice because everything has a place. Well, that's, yeah, that's pretty organized. Well, but then I notice there are some people who say they're just as organized as I am, and yet they don't have a key place. They don't have a glasses place. <laughs> they spend a, some part of the day in an activity they call looking for things. <laughs> Have no. you met my husband? I mean, yes. Well, that's probably because you're formal. Of course, of and course. So he's he's looking for things now. It's not a waste of their time. See, formal people think it's a waste of our time to look for things. We get annoyed with them. Well, I get annoyed when he asks me where it is. Well, that's right because you think he should. That's be right, just like you. He should know where people, his glasses are. That's right, but he <laughs> likes it because he's so used to looking for things. And sometimes when they're looking for things, they discover other things <laughs> that they thought were gone that aren't. And they resurface and then they get real excited. And it's kind of a source of pleasure <laughs> for them, which I cannot understand I at all. I can't understand it but, either. No, no, but it doesn't matter. That's how they are. Mm-hmm. And also, I have to tell women that when he says, where are my glasses, honey, it is not a call to action. There you go. Because he's just wondering if you saw him. He doesn't want you to stop everything and help him. But we always, I don't know, dear, as if they've just disturbed us. And you have to be very, I say, be gentle with casual people. Yes. Because they're adorable. That's why you married him in the first place. Oh, you know, no no question. Absolutely adorable, spontaneous, fun. Exactly. And, and, you know, when I'm trying to get organized, makes me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) All of the above. If you laugh about it instead of fight about it, which I say all the way through every speech, um, it won't get you. Yeah. And what's wonderful is to sit there with your mate, listen to this. And like you said earlier, you know, just hit, you know, elbow each other and go, it's you, it's you. It's you. People it's always you. say, it's you, honey, but they never say it's me. <laughs> now, Sometimes they do. You you did an interesting thing um, with uh, people's purses there. Oh, Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah, I, I used this um, visual aid in speaking that re- actually couldn't make it to the book, although it's described in the book, but it's not as funny as actually seeing it. Um, you can tell if a woman's formal or casual easily because they carry a purse. Right. With men, it's not so obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, women have formal purses or casual purses. And I always use my purse as a perfect example of a formal bag. First of all, it has it's horizontal. It's not as deep as it is long, which means that you can only have one layer of thing. Uh And so you can see at a glance when you look into it because Uh it's shallow Uh that everything's in its place and a place for everything. And I always joke, if it's not there, it must be stolen, which is how formal I am. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the casual people just laugh. They just think I'm so weird (laughs) because they think we're really tightly wound, you know. And so um, the horizontal bag is rigid. It's not mushy. It's not soft. It's not a soft bag. Right. And then I always um, point out that it has compartments, and they warm my heart to see the compartments. Formal people love stuff like that. And the casual people usually carry shapeless sort of hobo bag kind of deep 
purses where things get under other things, Mm -hmm. which I have tried in the past. And I've actually given away lots of purses until I found the kind of purse I like. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. I realize why I like it. But the hobo bag is the kind of purse where you can't see things because they're under other things. And then, but it's the same excitement that casual people have at finding things because they find things while they're looking for other things (laughs) in their purse. (laughs) Well, that's funny because when I saw you, I had, uh, I thought I was, no, I thought I was casual. And, oh. and, um, you told me I was formal because of my bag. Yeah. So that was a big uh, eye opener to me. I had no idea. Interesting. So now you know why your husband sometimes gets impatient. Yes. Because yes. you are formal. Yes, indeed. Interesting. Now we're also busy. What are some techniques we can do without slowing down? Okay. My favorite technique uh, that I actually used in my stress course years and years ago, and it also made it to negotiating course, which is my other book, Negotiating for Dummies, um, is the pause button. I'm not a technology girl, but my favorite button has always been the pause button because I believe that human beings, unlike animals, possess a pause button, and it's the secret to success, whether in stress management relating to people or negotiating what you need to do before you act, before you impulsively jump, before you say anything is to push the pause button, pause, step back, look at the big picture, get in touch with, again, with what you really want, then open your mouth. And I'm telling you, this is the secret to success. Okay. Good. (laughs) Now, what I mean by that is really stopping the action. Really, not, and it's the opposite of way of the way a lot of us were raised to respond when spoken to, mm-hmm. and to be responsive is the most wonderful. Thing. Well, yes, but the most powerful sentence I ever learned in my corporate life was, "Let me get back to you on that." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We absolutely have the right, and we need to get back in touch with the right to say that to pause, Mm -hmm. to put off an immediate response for something even better. And that's a wonderful way to manage your stress. No matter how busy you are, you get to stop the action. It's your right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. So many deals have, you know, been avoided, bad deals, and so many fights. And, you know, you call it at home with your partner, you call it fighting your tongue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's really a good thing to do. Good, good. So pause before you act, think it through, and and then respond. Well, right? yeah, because when you think it through, you can get in touch with your real purpose again. Mm-hmm. And if you say, pick your battles, you, are you going to want to dwell on this little thing? Or do we want to stop the action, take a breather, come back and decide the big thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember the stresses all from little to big. And and when you say that, what do you mean by that? Say that again. Well, when we talked about before about how you have to save your energy for the big stresses oh, yes. that really deserve your energy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. boy, as entrepreneurs working at home, we really have to prioritize that. Right. That's right. Or you could be just jumping every minute of the day. Yeah. And they say maturity. The psychologists always define maturity as the ability to prioritize where not everything has the same importance or weight. Right. When you're a little child, 
everything's the same. Mm-hmm. Everything's the same. And some people don't really grow up. Mm-hmm. They regard the little stresses as the same as the big ones where you really have to be mature and, and weed them out. Right, right. And, and, get, us, and get into a zone that says, I'm not going to overreact to all this that's stuff. That's right. And that's what makes us successful. Anybody successful in their own business, they've always, they learn this. They're, I'm preaching to the choir here. Well, yeah, but we need to hear it, you know? Yeah, we need to hear it. What do you mean in your book when you talk about weight lifting? W-A-I-W-A-I-T. Isn't weight. that fabulous? Yes. I love that. Lifting. Leslie made that up. Leslie is just the best with words. She's my co-author. This is her eighth book. Mm. This is only my second, but it's her eighth. She's a really wonderful writer. Um, and she came up with weight lifting. We were at a conference. And we were pushing the ele- we pushed the elevator button for it to come, and it was didn't you know it's coming it's coming it's coming when it's actually programmed to come. Mm-hmm. But this guy comes up behind us. He does the thing, you know, like we didn't push the <laughs> button enough, and he leans over us and he jabs at it, jab 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 jab, push 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 push, and the elevator door opens, and he looks real smug. Like oh, yeah. he did it. Like he did it. Like, oh, yeah, I made this happen. Like, right. And so I came up with this. She did. She came up with this weightlifting analogy, W-A-I-T. And it's kind of like weightlifting, except it means the art of patience. And just like in weightlifting, we have lightweight, have a medium weight, and heavyweight. And with lightweight, we always start out with supermarket lines or waiting for the microwave. I mean, how many of us can't even wait the two minutes anymore? Mm. We have to do something for two minutes and then come back. Mm. What can we do? Can't wait. We just can't stand there. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. I use that time to think, to actually breathe, to actually, I use now traffic to practice the fine art of weightlifting Mm. because traffic can be a lightweight or a medium weight. Um, medium weights are waiting for flights that are canceled Mm. or things like that. A little more uh, heavy, you know, a little heavier. And then heavy weights are things like waiting between the time you have a medical test and the time the results come back. Yes. Or as we humorously put it in the book, waiting for your kids to grow up. Mm -hmm. Those are heavy weights. Mm Mm-hmm. I see. And you have to develop the fine art of weightlifting. And especially entrepreneurs, we are always go, 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 doing many things at once. Um, I think we just need to stop and and wait. Right. And and enjoy the wait and, and, and you know, yes. breathe and, and, breathe. and have uh, uh, an art of patience. I that's, love that. That's it. I mean, I think that we're so impatient as a country. I don't know how that happened. I but. know. I know. And the faster it gets, the more impatient we get. Right. Can you imagine we can't wait two minutes now for someone to answer our email or for the microwave to be done? That's crazy. So I've had people email me and say, why haven't you answered my email yet? And the email was 10 minutes ago. Jeez. Well, this, this, yeah, this leads to my next question. How can we handle people who cause our stress? Well, wow. <laughs> that's the whole ballgame, isn't it? It is. Um, because we don't ever think we cause our own stress. First of all, I do the whole self-evaluation thing. You've got to look to see if you're formal or casual. How does that affect your life? How tolerant are you? 
for people who are not like you. And most of the time, if you list people who cause you your stress, you'll find that they're different. Mm-hmm. They're different. Mm-hmm. The people that you call your kind of people, those people relax with you. They're the kind that make you more relaxed. But certain people have clients, even their names evoke stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I say is really analyze those people. How different from you are they? Is it simply a style difference? If it's a value difference and if they're causing you a lot of pain, then you might want to think about not having them in your life. Exactly. But that's extreme. Most people who cause our stress cause our little stresses. Mm -hmm. And most of it, according to my research, unofficial with lots of companies, is the style difference with the time and the things. I mean, if people can just be honest with someone, look, I'm a formal person, I could drive you crazy, but since I am the boss, and it does have to do with where you are in the pecking order, because bosses can really request respectfully for people to have a certain style with things, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to be able to be a little more formal Mm -hmm. with things. Mm -hmm. Now, the frustrating thing for most people is that they have casual bosses. Mm-hmm. Casual bosses, and most casual bosses who are smart hire formal people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very smart. Well, and the same thing in terms of building a business. For all the people who are listening to this, you mm-hmm. may have a set of skills that are wonderful in one area, mm-hmm. but are not helping you build your business in another area. Right. And instead of trying to beat yourself up, you know, bang your head against the wall, I'm going to be casual, I'm going to be casual, or I'm going to be more formal, I'm going to be more formal. Accept it and buy it. Buy it. Accept it and delegate it. Yeah, I say what you can't do, delegate. What you don't want to do, delegate. Delegate, yeah. It's so worth it because the casual people I find are really wonderful on the phone. They're really good with other people. Good in sales. Oh, excellent in sales. Very creative. I I hired a casual, I always have casual assistants because I'm so formal and I need them to do a PowerPoint and something really creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I can handle the, pa- I can put the papers back where they belong, but other bosses can't. Mm-hmm. And they need the formal people to put the papers back where they belong. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. So you got to know yourself. And also know what you need. Right. And pretty much you're going to need the other side. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And you're going to need to embrace the other side. Embrace. And that's pretty hard. Not only tolerate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. See the value in it. See the value in the side. Exactly. Now, you were talking in our um, speech, when you gave this great speech, on identifying your stress triggers. Oh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, Mimi. Well, I think this is pretty original. Well, it's probably not original at all because stress is old as the hills. But in my early stress management courses, I always noticed that the source of the stress that we call the source, Mm -hmm. the person in the supermarket line who's being a little too casual and pulls out her coupons Mm -hmm. and you want to kill her (laughs) because she's in front of you and why didn't she do that before and why didn't she write the check out and why didn't she... But it's just... um, She's the trigger. She's not the real source. We say it's the source, but just like the trigger of a gun isn't really the culprit, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really explode the gun. It touches on another mechanism that really 
lets go of the bullet. So what you really see in your daily life when you call them your little stresses, the supermarket line and the traffic jam and the person who doesn't know where something is, and what they do is they trigger about two or three issues inside of you that are the source of a lot of stress. Okay. And the triggers trigger stuff that's real big that you may not want to really look at. Right. That are big. Yeah. And one of them is, do I really enjoy this job? Do I enjoy this client I'm dealing with right now? Um, How devoted am I to this volunteer group that I've said yes to? Um, You know, big things, things that you really need to think about. I had a person in my class who um, said her daughter borrows her clothes and returns them dirty. And I said, how old is your daughter? And she said, 27. And then she did the tisk sigh thing. And I realized that her daughter had moved back. And the whole daughter moving back thing at 27 was her stress issue, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not the dirty clothes. Right. If it wasn't the clothes, it's going to be the dishes. It's going to be the car use. It's going to be something. Right, right. So what I always encourage people to do is to look underneath the triggers. That's really that's really important. Oh, I really like what you're saying here. I mean, that really makes good sense. Yeah, we don't want to waste our energy because I always say your time and your energy are your inventory. Mm-hmm. You only have 24 hours mm-hmm. to use and you need to be very wise with them. And so if you're wasting time on that little trigger... The funny part is when you do waste time on the trigger, you often don't get to the issue. When the woman actually confronted her daughter, she didn't want to be a bad mom, but the daughter wanted said she was only there for the mother because the mother was widowed. And then she thought she was doing the mom a big favor <laughs> by moving in, but never knew that the mom was resentful. It's just it's, They don't know. They just never communicated about it. If you don't talk about it, you don't know. They both have their assumptions. Right. Yeah. So a lot of stress is based on assumption. So ask. 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 Oh, it's so hard. It is hard. Yeah. Yep. So what is the, let's see, you have a stress trigger exercise. Tell us about that. Oh. That's a good one. (laughs) That's a good one. Stress trigger exercise. I always say share about the stress trigger. Now, first, they, it's actually, they do it in three parts. First, they sh- and you can do this on paper. Uh-huh. You put down the stress trigger, which is the traffic jam. It's just the traffic jam. It's nothing else. It's not related to anything. It's just that stupid people on the road. And then, <laughs> But if you look underneath, you see that what upsets you about the people might be the fact that they're California drivers, and I'm a Midwest-learned driver, so I learned how to drive in the snow. And these people don't know about weather. And then I start feeling like an outsider. And one of my issues underneath the stress trigger called traffic jam with the California drivers is that I moved here later in life, you know, and I never, sometimes I feel like an outsider. Oh, is that issue ever in another area of my life? Uh Yeah. Uh If you look, you can Uh see that the issue is not only... Uh prevalent in the traffic jam trigger, that right. the traffic jam is simply a trigger and that what I really need to work on is the feeling of outsider, which actually since 84, when I started doing the stress uh, speech, the courses before then, 
has really gotten less. You know, you really, you teach what you most need to learn. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> and if you really look at this stuff long enough, um, I can't really, I don't feel like an outsider anymore. That's wonderful. Only took 20 years, but. Yeah, well, there you go. Whatever. But no one, you know, very few people are native Californians. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's from somewhere, right? Right. And this feeling of outsider is common and sometimes manifests in not being very nice to people. Right, right. And people respond how they are treated, the Pygmalion effect. People respond to the treatment they get. You treat them like a swine, they'll act like one. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Whereas if you treat people like they're wonderful, they rise to the occasion. Right, and they can surprise you by now, only turning some around. some people. Right. Most people, that people are listening right now going, not him. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. There are exceptions. There are exceptions, yes. yeah. Okay, so you need to put down the stress trigger and then go and look for what's underneath look it. Look for the issue, and then the third part of sharing is we find out what's underneath is usually a source of worry, anger, or resentment, the first three letters of which spell WAR, W-A-R, which is how you can remember worry, anger, and resentment. And you look underneath the trigger, you say, what is the, what's it really about? What's the worry, anger, resentment? And then when you find out, like for me being the outsider, what can you do about it? Well, what you can do about your issue, and then the trigger as well, is you can... Do one of three things, all beginning with A, because I have trouble remembering words, so I put words on them or remember them by their first letter. And one of my A's is adapt, one is alter, and one is avoid. Adapt is adapting yourself to the situation when you can't do anything about it. Right. Altering is altering the situation when you can do something about it, Mm -hmm. which is a very brave thing and sometimes takes more training. And that's the art of confrontation and all those discussions you need to have that you don't want to have. And then the third one is called avoiding. And some lucky people can actually avoid some stresses or stress triggers. With the outsider issue, um, I really had to adapt myself to the situation because I'm not moving back anywhere. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm a Californian to stay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with all their little quirks and Hollywoodisms, and I love it. Now I love it. Right, right. I, I used you. to feel resentful, but now I love it. Now I am part of it. People say, oh, you're so Hollywood, Mimi. <laughs> I go, well, yeah. Yeah. I guess so. You go. <sighs> yep. Little auditory eye rolling. <laughs> I think you're wonderful. There you go. I think you're wonderful. This has been such a pleasure. (laughs) It's been good fun. Good fun, Mimi. All right. Now, I want everybody who's listening to this to immediately uh, get your book. The link is shop, S-H-O-P, one of my hobbies. Um, And on my website, it's MimiDonaldson.com, M-I-M-I-D-O-N-A-L-D-S-O-N.com. And it's a fun website. You can go on topics and push the little you know, watch and play buttons and see pieces of my speeches and laugh just right there at your desk. How great. Oh, yeah, it's fun. And listen, I really recommend people do that because you were really, truly one of the most entertaining speakers I've heard. I speak for a living, you know, this is, this is, comes from another professional in your field and 
I thought you were terrific. Oh, you've made my day. No, I really did think you were terrific. And um, and very informative as well as entertaining, which is a hard combo to create. Oh, that's what I'm known for. I like the fact I was in human resources. I like the fact I have lots of content. I like that. Right. Okay. Any last statement about handling our stress? What should we do if we feel like we have just had it? What do you think? Um, reward yourself. Go off and breathe and go walk. And I live really at the harbor here in Southern California. So I can look at the boats and the seagulls and the duckies because you have to remember what's really important. And if it's a little thing that's stressing you out, remember you've got your health. Or if your kid is driving you nuts, remember they're healthy. A person with a not healthy kid would love to have your kid misbehaving. Exactly. I, I mean, it just you just have to put it in perspective. You know, I don't know about you, Mimi, but I, I expect this has happened. You know, you can be in, uh, I've been in a bad place or frustrated about something, and then I, I'm somewhere and I'm shopping or I'm at the grocery store and I see somebody who, you know, has had a physical uh, oh, problem. Better, but you're, and they're so much worse off. And, you know, there's such a, oh. th- there's a gift in that. And the gift to me is that I, I pause then and I bless them because yep. I feel sad for anyone who's had a physical problem. Yep. Um, and then I just go get into my gratitude mode. Yep. And it, it snaps you. There's nothing better than your own snapping of yourself out of it. That's you know? right. We have gratitude lists all over the book, and we carry them around. And uh, it's the real cure. Right. That's why we said bless your stress. Yes, exactly. You know, and uh, be grateful that it's only what it is, you know, because yeah. <laughs> it can be more. It's yeah. only that. Thank you, Mimi. You're lovely. Thank and I want you. everyone to get your material. I have your book. I love your book. It's so cute. It's so fun to read. And oh, it's so you. timely. Thank so you. thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.